0: this episode of the Anything Goes Hokkaido video podcast, we welcome special guest Shosei Oda, drummer for the indie's rock-pop band The Sunbathers, based out of Washington, D.C., USA. Shosei, who was born in Hokkaido and raised in Sapporo, is going to share with us about his band's music and also his take on growing up as a hafu in both countries. We'll dive into his experiences attending the Hokkaido International School and the University of Richmond, Virginia, all while introducing you to the awesomeness that is the sunbathers' unique indie vibe. Their music videos have over one million and a half views on YouTube and more than two million streams. And now, on to our special edition long-form podcast.
1: Hello, guys. Welcome to Anything Goes Hokkaido. I'm Shinya.
0: I'm Delina.
1: Yes, and today we have another special interview with another musician. Yes, uh, similar to me. Half. Uh, how is it? Half. Halfu? Yes. Halfu? Yeah. Halfu? Yes. And we're going to talk to him about his music, first of all. I'm pretty excited because I like sort of the indie pop rock style and his experiences about being a half food if it's similar to mine a little bit different things like that so
0: yeah for sure you'd like to say delena um well our guest today is from a band in the states called the sunbathers and they've got even as of a year ago well over two million uh streams on spotify they have played at firefly firefly festival in the u.s and uh They're pretty awesome in these bands, and our guest is Shosei Oda, who we are going to call up now. He is a native Hokkaido Dosanko! (laughs) Just like you and uh, me too! Kind of.
1: Okay, pretty much now. (laughs)
0: Pretty much now. Uh, I've been here longer than you, maybe. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Okay, so let's uh, bring Shosei into the call now. By the way, how are
2: you, Shinya? I haven't seen you in a while.
1: Uh, other than working, uh, spending time with the sharemates,
0: mm.
1: um, trying to fucking... Oh, I keep swearing. Well, we'll just <laughs> trying, mark
0: this one explicit. It's okay.
1: Trying to get the mic thing, but after I bought the amp and all the equipment, mm-hmm. it wasn't working, so I have no idea what's going on.
0: I think maybe I can help you out with that later, but once I can actually go there and check it out for you.
1: So in the last well, week,
0: we'll, we'll chat.
1: Last okay. week, I broke my chair
0: <laughs> oh, <no.
1: laughs> because I raged a little bit when I was playing computer games and uh, pushed the handle, and a few bolts came out, and some of them oh, were gosh. bad and stuff like that. But it was like a really, really old chair. I got for free,
0: so... Oh, well. So did you, you get a new a, chair?
1: I bought a new chair, which is coming on Friday.
0: Okay. Well, good. Things are good here. I wrote a new song about yeah, uh, the new,
1: yeah.
0: coronavirus experience. And I've had like three producers write to me personally say, that's the best thing you've written so far that we know about. Do they always so say I've that? Been... No, no, they don't. Uh-oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, David Sweetlow was one of them. Oh, yeah. And uh, some friends in Tokyo and another local guy so anyway I'm working push that to the front of the queue and mm. uh, working on getting that out as soon as possible That's so good. it's time for us to add in mr. Shosei Oda okay hello right, Shousei hello How's nice to
3: meet you yes good very good nice to meet you too I am uh... yeah <laughs> I'm now trying to figure out. I don't know. I haven't used Skype in a minute, and I'm trying to figure out this three way interface real quick. Um, there we go. I think I'm set up.
0: Okay, I think we are. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. So, where are you right now?
3: Um, the I am. For- in the world I am currently in Washington DC what? Um, it's where I live it's where I've lived for the past six and a half years since graduating from college mm-hmm. um, so I went to a school in Virginia just a couple hours south of here and uh, moved here for a job right after I graduated and I've been here ever since so and more specifically I am currently in uh, the living room of my house, the house <laughs> I've never made. Very cool. Yeah. Is the, uh, is the lighting okay? I was trying to, I wasn't sure if uh, I can kind of little, see... It's a little, little
0: dark. It's a little dark. Yeah, I mean, we can see you, but... You... Yeah. Is that better? Uh, yeah, I think... Is it better? Uh, yeah, the lighting, that, that's better. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Maybe. Cool. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... It is just, Oh,
3: sorry. No, i was just are we, is this like all, the show already? Are we on or?
0: We are on and it will be edited, We're so. We're on? Awesome. No, no, if, no worries, you can say what you want. Shinya's already dropped already, an F-bomb, swore, so, so. <laughs> that automatically makes this an explicit Very episode. <laughs> got it. Which is fine. Got it.
3: It's the uh, parental warning label on it.
0: Something like that, yeah. Got so, it.
3: So, you are from Hokkaido and grew up here, right? I I am from Hokkaido, Yep. I uh, was born and raised in Sapporo. Um, lived there my whole life, all the way through through high school. So, wow. yeah. So I love I love the concept of the show. I love that there's uh, the title is Anything Goes Hokkaido, and I'm, I love that there's uh, a show focused on that on, uh, on YouTube. You I think that's great. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. We're having a lot of fun with this. I was uh, editing up until the last minute our fourth episode with another local musician from England, David Sweetlow. And we have a fifth okay. episode being edited by another participant all about eating Hana Sakura flavored chocolate <laughs> and almond oh, awesome. stuff. We've had Carlos Mirabel okay. from the Fighters on the show already.
3: Yes, I I saw. I, I don't think I saw the episode. I don't know if it's out yet. It just but I saw out, that that was gonna uh, happen. yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Yeah. So um, this is exciting to have you on. What well, was thanks thanks it like having me on? Yeah. What was it like growing up in Sapporo? And can you tell us a little bit about your school because that's really special, I think.
3: Yeah. Um, what was it like growing up in Sapporo? Well. Um, First and foremost, I love Sapporo, I love my hometown, Um, definitely have big hometown pride uh, for Sapporo and also just for Hokkaido in general, it's it's a beautiful prefecture. Um, I think that's, I'm always very proud to tell people that I'm from Sapporo and from Hokkaido and always brag about, you know, just the endless beautiful nature uh, that you can catch Um, In the prefecture. Um, And I also think Sapporo as a city, Um, I've always been a big fan of big cities, and I think largely, you know, having grown up in a. Well, I think Sapporo is the fifth largest city in Japan, or so. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, around about that. I think it might be, yeah. Somewhere around there, maybe. and so I've, I think I've always had an affinity for big cities, um, but I've also realized more recently in my adult life, having gone back, that I do like, that it's not it's like massive mega metropolis, and it's, it's more management. Um, and I think particularly the last time I was home, which was actually just a couple of months ago, this past winter, um, as an adult, I think I've, I've been able to have some, distance from it, in the sense that going home, uh, like in college and stuff, it was just, my, my mindset was, oh, I'm just home. Um, and I didn't think twice about it, but now having grown up a little bit more and maybe also being uh, away from it a little bit more, I go back and I see it with a different set of eyes. I kind of see it a little more objectively and even objectively, I just think it's this great city. And it's it's not just because it's my hometown, but it's just like a really great city to live in. Um, And it was definitely a great city to be raised in as well. Um, In terms of my school, I went to Hokkaido International School, the one international school on the entire island. (laughs) Although since I've graduated, set up a second campus in uh, Niseko. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and uh, I <laughs> I could say all those same positive things about Sapporo and Hokkaido, uh, about HIS. I have a lot of pride um, being a Husky and having gone to that school, and I feel very grateful and, and just, yeah, just a lot of gratitude that that was my educational experience, but also just my community growing up. Um, it is a very tight-knit community and even outside of the students and the families um, in the school I think it's, it's you know a hub for a lot of um, international people in Hokkaido in general and so it's kind of yeah, you know sure. like I can draw people from all different cultures and I think that was always awesome so Uh, And it was, you know, a great education and it's special. I went there from preschool all the way through my senior year of high school. Um, So in my graduating class, I mean, I had a handful of friends who I was seniors with who I had known since I was like four years old. So that's also an awesome experience. Um, Yeah, for sure. I can't say enough good things, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how much we want to dive into it, but yeah, that's. I'll, I'll say that for now.
0: All right, no, that's awesome. So um, we want to kind of introduce your band's music throughout this show. Uh, what would be your like first pick of a song to introduce new fans to?
3: Oh, um, I think whenever people ask for like a sample of our music, I think most of the time the one song that I give them is uh, a song called Intimacy.
0: Actually, I love that song, too, and you guys made a really awesome music video for that um, concept, yeah. really cool.
3: Well, we can't take all the credit for the music video. We work with this great um, director and this great team uh, who we've actually collaborated with for a couple of our music videos. And there was definitely um, some storyboarding that went into it, but they definitely get a lot, most of the credit for the music video. They did a fantastic job with it. And I agree, they did. It's phenomenal. <laughs>
0: yeah. I can't have
3: met someone over Skype before. I don't think. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well, you maybe yeah. For
1: interviews, I... interviews
3: or... I, yeah, I don't know if I've ever done a Skype interview, actually, now that I think of it. Wow. Um, I've definitely met people over Skype in the sense of, like, you know, people's parents or, like, people's family members or other friends or things like that. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a fresh experience, I guess, so.
0: Okay. for sure. All <laughs> right, I th- that actually was pretty cool content. Let's just uh, keep it. <laughs> Sorry, I want to cuss, but I can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Why? I already did. <laughs> you did, but I have a different image to uphold in this community, and my mother watches this show.
1: Uh, so... <laughs> right. Oh, so does your, did your mother say anything about me?
0: Well, I haven't uploaded any explicit versions
1: Oh, yet. really? Okay, okay, okay. But I, th- I already that's... warned her. <laughs> okay, okay, So, no, no worries, no worries. Uh, I think that's All an right. Australian thing. That is an Australian thing.
0: Oh, I got lots of American friends that have no filter on their language.
3: So where, where in uh, Australia are you from? Uh,
1: well, firstly, I was born in Kitami. Okay. Yes, gotcha. and then my family moved to Sydney when I was four and a half years old and uh, did elementary school there and then I moved to Cairns That's the end of elementary school until the end of high school. Yes, gotcha. so cool. I would say my hometown in Australia is probably Cairns. Yes, okay. that's, yes that's what I most remember about Australia, in a way.
3: Right. Your more formative years were spent there. Yes. Yes. Right. Definitely. Cool.
0: I should say, you spent some time um, in Australia, didn't you?
3: I did. I actually studied abroad in Melbourne um, the fall of my junior year and absolutely fell in love with that city. Um, cool. And also got to go to Sydney as well and really liked Sydney. Um, so I, I need to go back to Australia. Uh, it's super far, obviously. So yeah. and now obviously we, we you know, we're all restricted with travel as it is. But uh, once the world opens back up, it's I'm looking forward to someday making it back back there, And hopefully I'm getting looking to forward to
0: going. A little bit
3: more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's on but. my bucket list.
1: Well yes, even living in Sydney for a while, I do prefer melbourne in a way sydney is a bit too big for me especially the city and
3: melbourne has a lot more culture as people say that yes right yes so that was exactly my read on it yeah and i don't want to say anything but i definitely had a strong heart for melbourne myself I, I had a great time in sydney we were there for maybe about nine days i think when we went mm. um but i just loved melbourne so much that it's to this day it's like one of my favorite cities that i've traveled to in the world um and as you said there's so much culture um it's like i feel like it's the sports capital of like the southern hemisphere there's like the arts and music and the 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 cityscape is just so cool too where you have like the super modern city that's like so naturally intertwined with like architecture that feels mm-hmm. more like it's out of like a 16th century Europe right. and then yes. a lot of greenery all these like parks and just and then there's the beach and yeah I just absolutely loved it and I would have been dying to go back ever since mm-hmm. so. yeah
1: I do see that yes I think a lot yeah. of people see that the same way yes, yes so
3: yeah
0: Actually, that was one of the questions we had lined up for you since the connection with China oh, gotcha. as well. And oh, uh, okay. how did you end up in the States from here?
3: So, growing up, so my mother's American, so I'm half Japanese, half American. Uh, my dad's Japanese and my mom's American. Um, my mother would take uh, my sister and me to visit her side of the family in the States uh, in Florida. Uh, every couple summers, right, when we could, um, mm-hmm. he was born and raised in Michigan, and then moved to Florida when she was a teenager, either a teenager or right before she was a teenager. Um, so in the Tampa area, and so I, it's not like I hadn't, uh, you know, ever been in the states before, but definitely, you know, living full time. Um, my freshman year of college was the first time I was doing that. But still, we would have long summers, like from June all the way through August where, growing up, I'd spend my entire summer in the States. Um, So it wasn't like I had this crazy culture shock when I fully moved to the States. Um, But there were still some things definitely that required some adjustment. Um, But what took me there, I guess to answer your question, was college. Um, so I went to the University of Richmond. Um, on which a is full ride scholarship,
0: Richmond.
3: I believe. A not full a full tuition scholarship. Okay, uh, well still so,
0: <laughs> props uh, to Hokkaido International School.
3: <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Richmond's a really cool city. Um, very hip town. I think it's like the I don't know if it still holds this title, but it was like the most heavily tatted city in the state, at least at some point. Also had like ridiculously ridiculously high crime rates at some point too, so some yes. good and some bad. Um, but really cool city, and in the last couple of years, um, it's just, it's had this like uh, boom and just really cool restaurants and bars that have opened up, and the uh, microbreweries as well. Um, it's got a lot happening got another city like Melbourne, much smaller, but in terms of having culture and having a lot of character, I would say. Um, Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I went to this tiny liberal arts school, University of Richmond, which is kind of secluded from the city itself. Um, So I had a a great, super positive experience there. And um, yeah, after four years there, landed in D.C. And here I am. And awesome. life faster and faster. It's crazy.
0: I know. Uh, it it really. Gosh, I mean, I, I have known you since you were twelve.
1: Yeah. Maybe? I, really 12. that low?
0: Yeah. Wow. I think so. And I remember when you like started playing the drums. Yeah. And yeah.
3: Oh, that was close I was So.
0: How old were probably you when be. I got you to record drums for that uh, track that I did for the Okusama wa TV show? <laughs>
3: <That> was. <laughs> I was probably between like 14 and 16.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, you were like that high school age, so...
3: Maybe 17? I don't know.
0: Yeah, right around there. You were still really yeah. young, but um, that was that was a lot of fun. I came with my computer to your place and you used your electric drum kit and recorded that, laid down that track for me and then we uh, lip-synced it live on national TV show.
4: <laughs> oh really?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I've been on a number oh, wow. of TV shows here. A cup. My first start was like those reality TV shows. I will never do another one again <laughs> if I can help it. Uh, but yeah, so they uh, billed me as a singer-songwriter, which I am, so they allowed us to play music on the show and uh, yeah, so laid down that track for me, it's really cool.
3: Oh no, I was just saying that may have been my first proper recording experience.
0: Yay! Glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it has yeah. gone up a, a huge amount of quality since then.
3: <laughs> it's, uh, well, I've definitely had more experience just in terms of number of hours spent recording. But the, the quality of the experience, you know, that's all subjective, I would say. True. Yeah.
0: So, what track has been the most fun to record or make?
3: Oh, man. Um, that's a really tough question. Uh, there, I mean, there, they can all be so much fun in different ways, I think. Um, I mean, probably the most fun part of the process is just writing the song. When you're having those moments of in group as a group where you're just like jamming on an idea and something clicks and you all just look at each other and you, even without saying a word, you just know that that's going to work and that that's going to become a part of the song. I think that's like one of the most exciting things about songwriting and mm-hmm. just being in a band in general. Um, So I we you know like every song has those moments, Uh, and I'd say I think in a lot of ways our some of our well it's tough to say our best songs, but maybe some of my favorite songs are the songs that felt really natural when we were writing them, where it didn't they didn't feel like we they needed a lot of work. They just kind of just naturally flowed, Um, and it's more like carving out something that already exists than like trying to construct something and put something together um and fortunately we've had that experience with you know uh a handful of our songs uh if not most and, and um so it's tough to single out one so you said the most fun to record um uh, well, I, yeah, I don't know if it's the most fun, but like definitely a very, very fun experience was recording um, when we were first writing and like kind of demoing uh, the song that we actually just put out called Heart of the Night. That was one of those songs that just kind of, it felt like it just naturally came together. And for myself, I I remember like figuring out, you know, the drum part and I was heavily take like, well not heavily borrowing, but at that point I was trying to go for uh, a certain, or channeling a certain uh, band, uh, Mm -hmm. a band Phoenix. I remember like playing a drum beat that was like, "Oh, this sounds like this could be a beat in a Phoenix song," and it just it just worked with the song. And then the little breaks and as a drummer, like coming up with even just little, you, you know, you always have to. For myself, it's a challenge because you know the at the end of the day, you have to serve the song, and you don't want to overplay it or anything, and that can be tough for me sometimes. Um, but with that song, I felt like I was, you know doing well on that front uh, and then the, the moments where I could like put a fill, a drum fill in or whatever, uh, they just like clicked very naturally and I was, I'm, you know, they're not necessarily like the most technically complex fills or anything like that, but I feel like they're, I do so my say myself, like pretty tasteful and just work really well in the context of the song. Um, so, I, you know, I have fond memories of those moments of just like, oh, yes, this like works, you come up with that little part and you're just like, this works really well. Um, and then recording it, obviously, is, is fun too. And then can also be, get, get tedious when you have to take multiple takes and mm-hmm. get it right. And, um, but uh, yeah, that that's, I mean, but I could say the same thing about so many of our songs in, in terms of the recording process. Um, Intimacy also was was a really fun song to record. That was one that I think from our initial like first version slash draft of the song to the final version, certain things changed around, um, more significantly than in other songs. And so seeing the, the evolution of the song through the process of like writing and recording it. And I think that was the first time, uh, because it was one of the first songs that we re- recorded, uh, like at least the you know the first version of it. It was the first time where we saw a song change during the recording process. And so, in some ways, that was maybe—I don't even remember—but I'm sh- I wouldn't be surprised if back then there were moments of like feeling uncomfortable, like oh, because we were in new you know this new territory of like oh, this song's changing and We're already in the middle of recording it. What's that going to be like? Versus you know wanting to have the song 100% written and finished. Um, uh, at that time, we were working with this producer, and I think that may have been the, our first time where we like went through this process of like you do pre-production, which is where you like record the demo, like the version of the song as it is, um, so that you can give your producer like a reference of. Here's the song, now we want to work with you to record it. And then he would have some thoughts and he'd provide some input. I'm like, all right, what if we do this in this one part? Or what if we, you know, change this little thing? Um, So having an outside voice come in, I think, was a a new experience for us at that and. Uh, fortunately, like the producer we were working with, he's a close friend, and uh, it was a super positive experience. So, And the feedback he had was just like, great. So we incorporated a lot of it, um, and so I think it was, you know, this two-sided thing where maybe initially it was, you're, you're kind of asking yourself, oh, what's, what's happening? This is new. Um, but at the same time, you realize, oh, this is kind of exciting as well. And having someone kind of be like, "All right, that's cool, but what if we try this and ch- challenge you in different ways um, and push you like creatively?" I think that's that's a cool thing too. So that was also a really cool experience. But
0: awesome.
3: again, I could say yeah. that about for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And feel um, free to
3: cut at any. <laughs> no, just, it's like, really interesting and. The-
0: um, Shiny, are you hanging out okay? Because I'm a musician as well, so this is all like totally. this is all new to me.
1: This is all new to me. So.
0: Are you interested though?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can understand like the process, but of course this is all new to me. I'm not a musician in any way. I just love listening to music. That's it.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, I just want to make sure that our average listener is also going to enjoy us going down the rabbit hole of music recording. And, uh, Xinyu, you want to take over for a little
1: bit here? Yeah, yes. It might get a little bit deep, but uh, you can decide if you want to answer the questions or not. But, uh, of course, the first thing about being a half Mm -hmm. is that uh, there's a bit of, what do I say, discrimination. There's a bit of uh, being an outcast in a way. Uh, My parents decided to move to Australia because of firstly the Japanese education system they, they didn't like as well as they wanted and being a half in for example Sapporo in was it 2015 to 20 years ago of course there's not many foreigners at all so growing up right. in a normal Japanese school I would say is being a bit of an outcast in a way so how did you feel going to the international school? Maybe of course going to the international school was better for you in a way. Maybe there was some other students with in the same situation as you. But in Australia a lot most people are just multicultural, they're from different areas. So it didn't matter. But in a way, in Japan, ninety five percent of the students are just Japanese. So how did you feel? during that time, mainly from maybe junior high school to high school time is sort of when you're sort of starting to realize,
3: I guess. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I will say I'll, first, before I dive into this, that that was actually also one of the things that I really, that stood out to me and that I really liked about when I was in Australia is I felt like the uh, makeup of the people. It was just so diverse and I would see, you know, people from different cultures that I, and it, this is coming from someone who grew up going to, like I've said, an international school and thinking that I've been exposed to all these different cultures. And I had, um, but I hadn't seen it at all. And then being in Australia and I was seeing, you know, and interacting with people who were just like, I was like, this is like a completely new, Cultural like perspective to be interacting with, and it was awesome. Um, and just to have that diversity, I think was really cool as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to your point, obviously Japan is a super homogenous country, um, and even more so back in the day when we were growing up. Uh, I think you know, I don't know what the right word is, whether it's lucky or 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 what or what, but um, I. Felt more, I guess, protected in some sense from uh, any kind of discrimination growing up, and I, you know I think because primarily because I did go attend to I, I did attend the international school, and that was my main community. Um, so. I didn't. I wasn't really in environments where I felt like such an outsider, um, and so I, you know, and I think I guess it is a, you know, maybe lucky is the right word because that's obviously can be such a terrible experience um, for anyone at any time in their life. But I'll also, I feel like particularly as a, as a child um, and as a kid growing up. Um, So fortunately, I didn't have to deal with that so much. But it was also interesting because I have an older sister. She's five years older than than me. And she, unlike myself, who had, you know, from preschool, had uh, attended the international school, she had actually attended a Japanese elementary school.
4: Oh, wow. a Japanese
3: Yotian up until fifth grade. And then... Uh, fifth grade I think is is when she transferred into the international school and then she ended up graduating from the international school and you know that in and of itself was this huge transition obviously Uh, but I I do know I remember you know for her as a child um, she was way more aware of and just like on uh, Just more, not defensive, but more, you know, primed to notice any kind of potential discrimination uh, in a way that I had not been, and um, that's, you know, purely the result of her being more, you know, fully in an environment where she was an outsider. And uh, in our family, we have this story about how. Forget how old she was. Maybe it was like she first or second grade. Um, she came home crying one day from school, and um, she said uh, she was crying, and she went to our, our mom, and she was like, "Mom, the the kids at school were saying for some reason that you're a gaijing and I don't know why because you're Japanese." <laughs> and it's just it's like really fun. I mean, it, it's, it's mostly just this funny story in the sense that, like, my mom cracked up and she was like, Well, Emmy, you know, they're actually totally right. I am, you know, I am foreign in Japan. Mm. I'm not Japanese. And it just like blew my sister's mind that her mom, this, who, mind you, she's like, my mom's like a six foot tall white woman. Like, not <laughs> like a sore thumb in Japan. Um, Somehow, and I think it's also really cool. Like you know that in it speaks to in a child's eyes. It's like in my sister's eyes, she like didn't really register that at all. Mm. And um, she, uh, it just like blew my sister's mind. She's like, "What? You're not Japanese?" Um, but I think you know from I, I don't I don't think necessarily from that moment. I'm sure she had some exposure to it before that. But that's just one of those stories about how she. Became more aware of her own difference, and she realized, "Oh, I'm also different because I'm half uh, American, half you know mm. Japanese. I'm not Japanese." Um, she grappled with that, I think, obviously a lot more than I did growing up. Um, okay. And I, you know, I feel for her in that sense because I didn't really have that same experience, and I, I wish I could be more empathetic, like I, I can be empathetic and you know, in the sense that I can understand being uh, feeling like the outsider is never a comfortable experience that can be a, a yeah. hurtful the people you know treat you in a hurtful way but I it, it wasn't the empathy wasn't really root, rooted in my own experience um which is interesting but yeah uh, so how did you
1: feel going to America then so uh well, in the opposite, so you're going as, of course, say Oda, which is a full Japanese name, and then right. you go into college in America. So, it's sort of like, for us halves, we don't have an actual 100% home in a way. I mean, we, of course, count it as our home, but in a way, we don't belong here, in, for example, in Australia for me, and then I don't belong in Japan because I'm Asian, but mm-hmm. I'm not Australian, I'm Asian in Australia, so this is something, mm-hmm. well, all halves, I think, have this feeling. So, how did you feel the other way around, so when going to America,
3: yeah. To college? Yeah, mm. that's a, a great question. I think, um, and I think it's something I'm still kind of unpacking a little bit,
4: mm-hmm.
3: or, like, yeah. retroactively, like, analyzing and I think where I am now and I think where I've been mostly most of my life is being instead of not feeling that I was instead of feeling like I didn't belong in either I felt like I belonged in both but also it's this weird contradiction where you can feel that way and still feel like you don't belong in either at the Mm. same time and you can feel like I'm Japanese I'm American I'm neither I'm both I'm it's I'm its own unique thing, which is a mixed half-Japanese, half-American person, and that's its own identity, and um, yes, yeah, it, you know, it's obviously a very complex thing, um, but in terms of my, f- uh, my experience in college, I think probably my freshman year, um, I think I underestimated probably how much it would affect me, uh, and what I mean by that is that because I had spent so much time in the States growing up, I was like, oh, like, I'm so familiar with the U.S. I didn't think twice about fully living there um, as being this dramatic shift. And it certainly probably wasn't as dramatic as a shift as obviously, as you know, for people who had never set foot in the U.S. before. Um, but it still did it still was an adjustment and i think i did feel like in some way that i, I stood out um are the school that i went to uh was you know a lot of the kids were from very specific regions in the country mm. uh, and it's, it's a lot better about uh kind of the diversity of the uh Geographic recruitment for the school, um, to their credit. Even back then, it's not like it was this like terrible thing, but there was like a lot of kids from New England. Uh, it was, it's like almost a joke, like at, on school, like a, this self acknowledged, self aware joke, like, oh, like every third person at the school is from New Jersey. Every, <laughs> and, you know, everyone else is from New England or from Long Island or from right outside of Philadelphia or whatever and um obviously not being from any of those places i was like oh okay well i guess you can this can feel like the outsider and probably my freshman year i probably did feel that way more so than i had at any other point in my life um but fortunately also met so many one of my favorite things about my college experience was meeting and making so many Great friends. Some Mm. of my best friends, like, um, who hopefully I'll have for the rest of my life. And a lot of those I made my freshman year. Um, And I think also some of them, we became really close because we had that shared experience of feeling like, oh, this isn't, you know, I'm not from New England or Philly or that as well um one of my best friends i made who actually funnily enough we had met um even before freshman year we had gone for interviews um the spring of our senior year in high school and we met during interviews then um and he actually is from long island but i think he had uh this this kind of he he also had a very um an internationally uh, co- conscientious mindset, right. uh, whereas I think a lot of other students maybe hadn't. Um, and I think we maybe like that was a, 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 a disconnection that we had. And I think we bonded over that. And uh, I, a lot of my, fr- you know, a lot of close friends are people who had more of an international experience. Um, but it was also really interesting because I, I then started making also really close friends with those people who were the people that you know, not even intentionally, I would have just felt like an outsider with just uh, uh, you know, the result of being like, all right, here's a majority group, here's a, a minority group. Um, and it was interesting to like, become really close friends with those people. And like break down any kind of preconceived notion you might have
4: yeah.
3: uh, both ways. And so that was also a really cool experience as well. Um, and yeah, awesome. I think getting past the uh, discomfort um, to get to that point is, is uh, can be really rewarding. So, sorry, mm-hmm. am I like super verbose? I'm realizing no. that. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> no, love it.
3: Like man, we're already like at a what is that? The, we're already at the forty-minute mark or so.
0: I decided about ten minutes ago we need to make this a special hour-long episode, <laughs> so we have time to introduce here some more music and talk about a few more things we wanted to, get I think, to. Shinya, what was the ones like top pick you wanted to,
1: or what uh, you've been enjoying listening was. to? I course. watched the video of Honey suck. Oh yeah, yeah. that one was interesting i would say yeah (laughs) i I get the yeah yeah, i get the idea i get the idea really good song
0: yeah Yeah, really
1: great concept
0: there so yeah it um, was interesting (laughs) yeah everybody you have to go check out these videos this music is amazing but the videos are fantastic so we're gonna take a quick listen to a bit of honey suck and then check it out and we'll be back
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, well, Shousei, what do you think about, have you listened to any Australian sort of indie
3: pop-rock style of music? Oh, I mean, I love Tame Impala. Oh, uh, yeah. I, as does everyone in the world now, so I guess that's yeah. not like anything special. Except for know uh, <laughs> oh, Before don't like
0: we the- got on, I don't even know who they are yet.
3: Oh, uh, okay. You might know
1: like one of their famous songs, like "The Less I Know, the Better," is the one of the mm-hmm. biggest songs.
3: Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I would like to claim some hipster credit and say I was into them from ages and ages ago. Um, uh, but no, but uh, no, I, I do still love them or, or him. I mean, it's mostly Kevin Parker, the mastermind yes, behind yes. it. I saw them um, live. I say four years ago now. It was like just about exactly four years ago. It was like May 26th, I believe. There was a insane light show. Three awesome shows at this outdoor pavilion. It started raining um, like midway through Tim and Paula's set. Mm -hmm. And like everyone was sitting out. We were like sitting out on the back lawn. And we just like stood up and we just started dancing in the rain and just this like crazy light show coming from the stage was just awesome. but I'll always remember that show. But yes, I do love Tim and Paula. Um, they're not really like indie in that sense. But uh, actually, also one of the more recent shows I'd gone to uh, was Rufus to Soul. Oh um, uh, yeah. You know, they're uh, they're way more electronic. Mm. Um, love them too. Um, uh, really like Temper Trap's first album. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Nick Murphy. Formerly known as Chet Faker,
4: mm. uh,
3: yes. Um, yeah. I oh. will dabble yeah. with Flume. Um, Flume,
1: yes. I, I love
3: J. And... I just haven't, right? And I haven't, like, you know. And, and I feel like I'm just naming up all like the the main <laughs> Australian <laughs> like names right now. Um, but I mean, you've heard of the... Triple J, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the radio station.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: Yeah, so after I,
1: I, first hearing your music it's just like,
3: this sounds like Triple J. <laughs> oh, so, that, that's great. That's probably exactly, you know, the uh, format we're going for. Yeah, no. I mean, if you can get some sort of
1: uh, song out into Triple J, that's a really big jump into like the Australian market in a way.
3: That's a great it's, point. I should look into, I should look into that. Um, and then they yeah. always have a Hottest 100 at the end of the
1: year that people yeah. vote for, Most, a lot of these bands now I have like Gang of Youths and Jungle Giants and things like that, okay. they were very small bands but recently after yeah. they got high on the Hottest 100
3: it, they became so popular, so yes, that's... Yeah, that's, I was gonna say, if you have any, you know, bands that you would recommend me to check out from us please, please let me know because I would love oh, to. Oh yeah, plenty, that, yeah. Yeah. After the show, yeah. Maybe we After can Henry,
0: maybe we can make a list um, in our YouTube comments for people to check out. Uh, yeah. Awesome bands. And I wanted to ask, do you have any, like, favorite Japanese bands? Um,
3: um, yeah, I, uh...
0: Or bands in Japan. They don't have to be Japanese specifically, but...
3: I think, so, one of my favorite Japanese bands is probably, um, Asian Kung Fu Generation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... Just, like, the songwriting and the drummer is sick. Like, he's nasty. Um, And they've just been so consistently good and have just aged so well. Um, So I think that's one of It can be such a a tough thing to do as a band, but they've managed to do it. So I think they'll be one of those bands that, like, will be remembered for a long time as, like, one of those classic, classic and class acts from uh, our generation. Um, When I was uh, like middle school, there was like a bunch of uh, Japanese bands that I think had been influenced by like the pop punk of like the late 90s and the, like the aughts, which was interesting to see. And it's like Japanese bands who were singing in half in English and it sounded like, you know, it sounded like some band out of like LA. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was really cool to see that too. Um, so some of those bands, I think uh, like uh, Elle Garden and um, Bump of Chicken, um, bands like that I used to listen to. There was, I had a phase uh, with uh, One Ok Rock. Um,
4: yes, who actually, I Who has actually
3: broken into like the global market now. They're like, I feel like yeah. even in the States, they're like big. Um, which is like such a tough thing to do, so that's impressive in of itself. Um, but I think Asian country generation, excuse me, Asian country generation is—they're um, like probably like one of the bands that I always go back to, and it just like never wow. gets old.
0: Classic. Um,
3: yeah.
0: That's awesome. We definitely need to make like our our top lists of bands to include in this episode notes and such. Uh, yeah, we we I'm are so going to run out of time eventually. But go ahead.
3: <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I'm so worried that like after this ends, I'm gonna think of like so many other bands I'm like, oh I should have, you know, mentioned them <laughs> Like in the context of they Japanese will, music will. or Australian music, but
1: yeah, yeah. For sure. One final question, last question, quick question uh, Any advice for musicians out there in Japan in America that want to uh, go to a different country to start a band or halves out there any advice any quick advice advice
3: um uh do it (laughs) (laughs) follow follow the the dream and
4: Mm. you
3: know don't expect things to be easy um but also appreciate that things not being easy is part of can be part of like the rewarding experience um and do it for the right reasons you know do it because you love doing it and if if that's the case, then in some ways nothing else matters. Yeah, nothing um, should stop you.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. Um, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. That's I don't good. Know that's I'll good.
0: Do. Yeah. I've, I've, we love I've, it.
3: Too much throughout the entire episode, this time I'll, I'll leave it brief. <laughs> All right. All right.
0: Okay. I wanted to say um, of the songs and the videos I've seen you guys do, I have two that I really like, I you've already went over the ones I really love except your body. I absolutely uh-huh. love the video from that. The dancers you guys got are just phenomenal. <laughs> The song gets stuck in your head. Um, I also really like this remix on Summer in the City. Uh, how do you pronounce the, the guy's name, Yates?
3: Yates, so funny story and I'll, I'll be very quick about it. That's actually one of my buddies from college and he had reached out after we had put out, again, it was like a remix of a demo, like not a remix of a final version of the song. And um, we like, that's awesome, like please remix it. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun, and he did, and he just, like, did a great job with it, and that remix then got really popular, um,
4: yeah, like, 4,
3: yeah, and, uh, I think on Spotify, it's actually one of our most, it might be our second most played song, it has, like, I don't know, 400,000 streams or something, mm. but he, yeah. uh, he just did a great job with it, and it's just such a fun remix. It keeps the core of like the, the spirit of the song, but also just changes the skeleton of it completely, which is like what any good remix does, I feel. Um, so anyway, that was a, a cool thing. And it was, it was special that it was like a friend who did it.
0: So. Oh, that is awesome. I, yeah, I love that. So say, how can people go and find out about the sunbathers like direct us to your social media, etc.
3: Uh yeah so most of our social media handles are whatever platform/ Sunbather's band so like facebook.com/ Sunbather's band like Instagram you know uh, the handle Sunbather's band Twitter as well I think. Um, probably Facebook and Instagram are the best ways to stay in touch. That's probably what we're most active on um, And then in terms of the music it should be out on all. Streaming platforms and all uh, online stores and everything. So, yeah, I, that, that's what I would say. Is you know, if you have Instagram, please follow us. That would be great. Yes, um, yes.
0: Sunbathers Band Instagram. <laughs> <I do. laughs> yes, <Exactly. laughs> me
3: too. Yes. Um, and um,
0: make sure but, to go and subscribe to their YouTube channel as well. This band does not have nearly enough subscribers for the amazing content that's on there. And while you're at it, please go and subscribe to the Anything Goes Hokkaido channel as well. And our handles are the same on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, Anything Goes Hokkaido. You can find me at Delaina Music on Instagram and Twitter. I don't do Twitter except through Instagram, so. Uh, And Facebook is Delaina Live and Shinsta underscore Grams on Instagram. Do you do any other social media besides that and Facebook, Shinya?
1: No. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I Keeping thought it Twitter simple is, and sweet. Yeah, Twitter's got to take too much of my time, so. Yeah, Facebook I don't get Twitter. I just got just so. <laughs> one thing
3: to <laughs> yes, keep me, me abreast on Japanese culture. What's like the big Japanese platform, like social media-wise these days?
0: I think Twitter has had a real Twitter. boom. Yeah.
3: Really? Okay. Interesting. Twitter, Insta. Yeah, it's probably.
0: Twitter, Instagram are gotcha. probably. Um, Facebook, not so much. Oh. Maybe.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's falling off over here too. I yeah, feel.
4: Mm.
0: And I don't know—is Mixi still a thing here, or Ame Buddha?
1: Shiranai, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no idea,
0: um, but, uh. one last question. We've had a few really interesting, like vocabulary words that I will uh, highlight as I did editing, like Dosanko and. Uh, a few things, but do you have any favorite Japanese phrases or things? Just something to introduce Japanese our viewers? ban, yeah. uh, I mean, or otherwise. I, I hate that
3: the first thing I thought of, but mendokusai is great. Um,
0: yes, we haven't had so, that yet.
3: Oh, really? Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, what is mendokusai? Um,
3: mendokusai is when something is just, you know, you, actually, I feel like this ties into, us like, Australian lingo as well, but you'd say like you can't be bothered. Yeah, um, but you would
1: say the F word,
3: or <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, uh, it, yeah, pain in the ass, mental uh, Pain sorry. in the
3: ass, can't be bothered. Right, it's... right. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. shoganai. Uh, I guess.
0: shoganai. Oh, so I... can't be uh, helped uh, or. You know, I was
3: I was teaching uh, a friend. いただきます, the other day and I think that's like such a great thing to have ingrained into a culture just like appreciation for the meal before every meal um, and it's different from like, other phrases you say um, and yeah. gochisotan obviously too and even like kadaima and okairi and like having that just like be you know the default that everyone says it's, it's just really nice and I kind of miss that here because um, I don't think you know people are prone to be like all right i'm heading out sometimes people just like head out yeah (laughs) yeah you you don't necessarily greet everyone who comes through your doors like oh welcome home you know um i think that i I get that i
0: think the ingrained greeting or like aisatsu culture in japan one of the things i really like about it is that it gives you a kind of connection throughout your day Whenever you go yeah. somewhere, you're saying good morning to people or, you know, announcing that you're there. You always say goodbye before you eat. Like, it, it's a routine, but it does have, like, a real connection there with um, your community. And if you know Ooh. those phrases, you can move in Japanese society pretty easily, I think. Like, if you just know when I go here at work, I say this, and then I say right. this. And then people just feel like you you belong more. If you, yeah. So, um, I, th- I think... We're gonna close out soon, but uh, Shinya, and maybe she'll say if you want to join us for this. How about we do like a little special thing, like a midweek thing? Coronavirus, we're stuck at home um, for some of these really cool phrases that we were just talking about, where we can explain just maybe a little bit more in depth because you just rapid fired so many amazing phrases <laughs> at us there. Um, yeah,
3: not good. enough time to
0: edit the details for our Japanese language learners, but uh, I would love to work on that project soon.
1: Not just the, what is it? Just Hokkaido. It's more like people's experiences uh, traveling to different places as well. So you can sort of like relate that to not just Japan, about yeah. other people's True. experiences as well. So uh, we're Absolutely. just using Hokkaido as maybe like a base, yeah. in a way. Yeah. And then so. it's sort of like branching out to like different things to musicians and people doing other jobs and things like that and yeah,
0: yeah for sure uh, for anything me, goes <laughs> and
1: it, yeah
0: that-, that title came to me and I was like oh it's got a nice rhyme it's catchy um, right now we're kind of stuck not being able to go anywhere but as soon as we're able to travel freely I also want to be doing lots of like, location things and going out and if there's a chance to go to Australia, like if Shinya is traveling back there, or like go to the States, and you know, just any connection to Japan. Um, mm-hmm. But I have such an amazing personal network of people that I've met through life and, and the work with the airport videos, and I, it's just like, man, people need to know, like, what amazing community we have here in Hokkaido, and anything. I mean, just, I, I was like, there's so much more to this place and the people that are here. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I, I want to, my mission for this is that, especially right now, to keep people interested in, in Hokkaido and in the businesses and, and the people and to just support each other. And um, as soon as mm-hmm. people can start traveling, like, bam, I saw that restaurant on the podcast. Right. Go there, um, you know, Keep keep people floating.
3: That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think this, uh, and I, I really appreciate Shinya, your point about, like, it doesn't have to, people don't have to have their own connection to Hokkaido no. to be able to relate to it. Because the, exactly. the themes can, like, can be more universal. And I think that's so true. So, yeah, so thanks to Shinya. Awesome.
0: Uh, thanks to Shinya's halfness. ness uh, That's a reoccurring theme <laughs> for us. And also, um, Up till now, uh, or at least a year ago, i basically never put my kids on social media. I just felt like I wanted to protect them. I mean, I was uh, never
1: on social media until I got into high school, really.
0: Well, I'm not letting my kids have their own accounts, but even on mine, like I don't post their pictures usually. But my older son, Cole, actually did a job with me for JR Hokkaido where we were on film. And he loved it and did an awesome job. So, but for me as well, like having half kids. Um, that's a really important topic to me and right, I was thinking yeah. as we were talking I was just like okay I'm gonna have to maybe later on down the line actually get maybe my kids on an episode or yeah. do something fun like that
3: oh no no I was just gonna say that um I think that's it that's like really interesting in the sense that I feel like there are perspectives I had as a kid when I was younger about being half that I don't have any more so you, you can get that perspective like in that moment, um, and I wish I you know had a better memory in the sense of being able to go back and like pick out exactly how I felt, exactly what my thoughts mm. were on a certain thing. But now it's more an approximation, and so I think yeah. you know talk like full about like well, what's your experience? I, I'm, like obviously that he has his own perspective on it too. So I think that's going to be fascinating.
0: Um, yeah, um but I mean, once we get... of course
3: being a half is like you have the negatives
1: and stuff but there's always positives too like may, there's a way that you are a bit more popular than the other kids in a way <laughs> because you're a bit special right, but... or, yeah mm-hmm. and having a american mother and a japanese father and then the kids are like really cute and stuff like that and that's always like a positive thing so it's not just I, negatives yeah
0: <laughs> yeah I think the international experience like most of my kids classmates have not spent time overseas or right. are not bilingual or not that my kids are perfectly bilingual by any anyway, means but <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying yeah so um I, something else I have kind of a vision for this program is as we get more of a following um, interaction like maybe people sending Doing some live shows would be fine too, but even just having people sending in clips. Like, I just had this, oh, let's have an open thing for, like, happy kids to send in video of, like, their experience mm-hmm. or something. Like, maybe one or two minutes and compile it. It could be really cool. Yeah. That way it's not like, um, that way it's got parent approval if they sent it in. <laughs> I don't hey, have to worry, yeah. worry about, like, about oh, that. we put a kid on the spot and, just, you know, maybe... Cause issues later, so yeah, anything goes with this, and I feel like it's going to be a really nice long-term project. Uh, So I'm really happy to be doing. I'm excited
3: for it. Yeah, me too. Um, I think like you know, you could do a show just about being bicultural, or you could do a show just about attending an international school, like so many each of these topics could you could just dive in and go for hours and hours for sure keep unpacking things I think so there's definitely plenty of content I think
0: oh yeah yeah. no doubt and
3: and interesting and good content too that's like not really and I hate using the word content but um, interesting conversation uh, Mm -hmm. to be had and questions to be asked and answered that aren't necessarily being you know covered uh, widely elsewhere
0: Think it's awesome. Well, thank you. It's been really exciting. I went ahead and pushed record on my computer for this because you were like saying really awesome shit. So,
1: yeah, <laughs> yes, Maybe score on recording. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I can edit it out if I
1: want. Ah,
3: <laughs> that's funny.
0: Oh uh, my goodness! Wait, no, this is awesome.
3: Uh, yeah, this was well, a lot of fun. Thank you for having yeah. me.
0: Uh, thank you. I'm really. Hope you'll be back again, and uh, we're excited to see what comes for your band as you guys work on things. Obviously, I mean, I was surprised that you had a brand new release two days ago, was
3: it? Yeah, yeah, on Saturday, yeah, two days ago, so, yeah, that's gonna, thankfully, keep me busy in terms of trying to do some kind of promotion around it,
0: so, that'll be good. Well, speaking of that, um, if you get a chance, David Sweetlow, who we are gonna upload his interview, this Monday, um, he's had some pretty decent success with uh, promoting his own stuff, and he's got some good techniques. So, you might want to hit him up. Cool. Okay, uh, can collab or something.
3: So, okay. Sounds awesome. good, David. Right. What's it, David? Sweetlo. Sweetlo. Sweet Sweetlow. sweet Got it. Yeah.
0: So you can find him on our Instagram or other things connected. Well, I know it's
3: like handle. I go put that up.
0: Yes,
3: anything goes Got it.
0: And uh, I know it's super late where you are, like oh, almost crazy. 3 in the morning.
3: <laughs> it is, but my sleep schedule has been so all over the place lately that it's, you
0: know... Yep, I was up until like
3: so night. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yay, American taxes are done!
3: Woo! There you go. It's always a nice, a, a big relief once it's done. Okay. <laughs> Impact.
0: This time, for some reason, I the very first step, like when you input your income, was on the wrong category, and it was not working at all. Oh like, God! That's four days down the drain. <laughs> but do
3: you do it online or yeah? Or you, yeah, oh, I,
0: okay. I use I use the Intuit software. Um, Got it. They charged a lot more this year than they did in the past. Like typically. It looks like, typically it's free, but um, when you're like living overseas, there's extra stuff that you have to do, and so they charge, it used to be like 60, 70 bucks, so It was like 120 this time. Wow. And then I went ahead and did their like fraud, et cetera, audit, like if you get audited, oh, they yeah, support yeah. you. So that I think I paid 220 to file oh, my wow. taxes, but it was yeah. worth it, so I think, because yeah. I think stimulus checks are coming.
3: Right, yeah, I was We're, just trying to figure that out before this, too. know, yeah. literally, my, my latest email in my inbox is from TurboTax, into yes, TurboTax. That's, that's what yeah. I was using. <laughs>
0: well, good luck to yeah. us all with that, and uh, this right. last bit may yeah. or may not get added onto the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it might it might like even the openings where we're just like hey okay testing testing like they're funny and I keep them in the right. of the time so i charms for sure yeah all right thank, oh, thank you, you so much for joining us today it's been awesome I'm uh, really thank excited we finally me. went over an hour on our episode thank <laughs> listeners yeah, for uh, I sticking with that. us no it was amazing and I hope you will come back again um, yeah. And please keep us updated on any new releases from the band and we're looking out for For sure. Okay, everybody. This has been Anything Goes of Kaido. I'm Delena.
1: I'm Shinya. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very You're much. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Ciao. Goodbye. <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs> nice. Well, yes, me.
0: Once again, a huge thanks to everyone that made this episode of the Anything Goes Hokkaido podcast possible. We'd like to thank Shose Oro and the Sunbathers for giving us permission to showcase so much of their music, and also a big thanks to you for listening to this extra long episode. Please remember that we are accepting business sponsors and Patreons at our Patreon account, Anything Goes Hokkaido. And we would love to make promotional materials for you, for your business, for a local adventure. We can't wait to see you, and in.